I was going to say, take God's word, turn to the book of James. If you've been with us, we're doing a series, actually the whole book of James. We're in chapter one right now. And James has been telling us that it's time to grow up. And it's when, not if, you face trials and temptations. If you want to win at life. Now, winning at life is defined as becoming like Christ, okay? We got to make that definition. It's living according to your design that he's called you to be. It's living free in that design. And he says, when you face temptations and trials, I want you to choose joy. Now, if you don't want to live free, if you want to follow your own desires, then you're going to be enslaved to your trial and your temptations and your sin. But if you choose joy, he said there's two things you have to do. One is receive God's word. Remember the term we looked at to implant it in our lives? It's a farming term where the seeds plant it and we nurture it, we allow it to grow. He says, secondly, you have to practice God's word. And last week we looked at the mirror. Time to make some changes. Three purposes of a mirror. Examination, restoration, and transformation. And this week he's going to talk about a third thing. The third thing, if we want to choose joy, we receive it, we practice it, and we have to share it. We have to share God's word. Look at verses 26 and 27. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and keep oneself unstained from the world. Now the first thing we have to look at is the word religion. A lot of things come to our minds about what religion is and what it isn't. According to James, religion is the outward practice of God's word. It's what we call service. It's where we end up being serving one another and serving our communities and serving this world with who Jesus is through us. It's words found five times in the New Testament. But according to James, religion has nothing to do with ceremonies or buildings or special days. Most of us, when we think about religion, we think of external activities. Here's what religious people do. They go to church. They have Bible studies. They pray. They give. They make sure they show up at Christmas and Easter. And it's not that those things are wrong. But that's not what James is referring to by religion. See, according to James, religion is what we call a lifestyle. It's who you are. It's after you implant God's word and you practice God's word and you practice God's word and you practice God's word, it becomes something that we just do naturally. Now, in a negative sense, I'm going to use this in a positive sense because many of people you can identify with this is, it's what we call it being addicted to Jesus. It's where Jesus takes over. And so often we're addicted to our sins. Doesn't matter what sin, but the sin enslaves us. And here refers to many times where Christ enslaves us. It's about relationships. It's not only what we believe, but how it causes us to live. Now, for people that like alliteration, I'm going to make you real happy this morning. 
I ran several commentaries and several sermons, and here's what they came up with. In this passage, if you like alliteration, three points. James talks about our conversations, our conduct, and our character. That's the one we're going to follow this morning. You can also write down it's our speech, our service, our separation, and our words, and our work, and our walk. So for those of you that like three points in alliteration, I made you very happy this morning. But ask yourself this question. Is there enough evidence, if you were on trial for being a Christian, to convict you? And of course, evidence has to be who you are, not just what you say. So the first thing James talks about is our speech, our conversations, our tongue. James 1.26, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Now, for anybody that's read James before, he has a whole lot more to say about our tongues. That's going to be the ensuing weeks. We know evidently it was a major problem in his day just after the church was started. Remember last week we said quick to hear and slow to speak? Later in James, he says this in chapter 3, verse 9. He says, often with our tongues, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. And there he's talking about, you know, people go to church, they praise the Lord, then they go out in the parking lot and they start gossiping. He says, these things shouldn't be done. Now I'm going to tell you, if James were alive today, he would expand this. He would say, what do you tweet and what do you Twitter? What do you post on social media? If you don't bridle those things, if you can't control those things, if you end up saying things that you would never say face to face, he says you deceive yourself. And when people look at your relationship with Christ, what they see is an empty relationship. That's what the word worthless means. Now, when we read this passage, there are some of us that do what the Pharisees would do. They make this little legalistic list, and they say, well, what this really means is, as long as I don't swear. And then we make a list of words that we consider are swear words, and those that aren't swear words. And so there are some that say, listen, I have my tongue prattled because I didn't swear today. And they go around the corner, and they gossip for an hour about another brother or sister. I had a family... In church, and not this church, because none of you would ever do this. It's in Canada, so that separates us. You probably don't know who they are. And they were the gossips of the worst kind. And I remember one time they told a story about another family that was cruel, that was horrible. And I went to confront them because it was completely false. And I remember sitting down with them and I said, listen, you know this isn't true and here's the evidence. They go, well, we thought it was true. And then they made this statement. As long as it's true or we think it's true, then it's not gossip. Think about that. As long as it's true according to them, and they thought it was true even though it's false, they say it's not gossip. Now, I got to tell you, they were very religious people outwardly. They were always at church when the church doors were open. They dressed very conservatively. And James would say to these people, you deceive yourselves. When people look at your religion, your lifestyle, they don't see Jesus. 
It's empty of Jesus. You see, the tongue reveals the heart. If the heart is right, the tongue is right. If we're implanting God's word, if we're looking into the mirror of God's word, we talk about who we are spending time with. The tongue is the demonstration of the fruit of what we've implanted into our lives. It's the choice of our perspectives. And if you don't believe me, just listen to the political rhetoric today. They choose a certain ideology, and when they choose a certain ideology, they spill out their praise and hate for other people based on that ideology. This past week in Pittsburgh, in the grieving families, there was a Presbyterian minister that was shouting at the top of their lungs, spewing hate towards the current president, saying, we don't want you here. Leave the grieving families alone. And as followers of Jesus, that kind of hate should not happen. Amen? So James says this. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus and your words do not align with his teachings, with his ideology, if there is no fruit in your words, number one, you lie to yourself, and number two, Christ is empty. There's no value. People don't see Jesus in your life. In John 15, you can turn there. John 15, Jesus says this. Actually, John said it, quoting Jesus. I am the vine, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes. And if you know anything about orchards and fruit trees, every year you got to do what we used to call suckering them. You break out a lot of branches so you get good fruit the next year. That it may, be, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Remember, implanting the word, mirroring the word. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he it is that bears much fruit. Much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so James is echoing what Jesus said. Don't tell me what you know. Tell me what you're doing. Expect fruit. And the fruit here that James is referring to is the way we talk. Now remember, failure to mature is not God's fault. We talked about that, right? Failure to mature can't blame the devil. Failure to mature is about your desires. Your desires draw you away from and into temptation. And so James tells us vertical religion is not enough. Is If all you do is fill up and don't put out, you're deceiving yourself. Somewhere faith has to actualize itself in right living. Now, having said all this, realize this is a journey. It's a work in progress. Here's what this means. At the end of 2018, hopefully you and I are further ahead than we were at the end of 2017. We see improvement. There's a song we used to sing called Onward Christian Soldiers. Too many Christians have changed the words to backward Christian soldiers. They're not moving ahead. They're moving backwards. And you realize you cannot stay the same. You're either moving ahead or you're moving backwards. So that's the conversation. Now James talks about conduct. Verse 27. 
Religion that is pure and undefiled, we're going to talk about that in a moment with character. Before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans, widows, in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's talk about the conduct. To visit the orphans and widows in their affliction. In James' day, these would be called the least of these. These are the people that you help who can do nothing for you in return. And again, James isn't just talking about the poorest of the poor. What he's referring to is a mindset that we serve and we give and we sacrifice and we follow Jesus and we do the right thing. We choose joy with no expectations of somebody else doing that back to us. Do you get the idea? He uses the illustration that you're going to help someone that cannot help themselves and giving nothing in return. But that's the lifestyle. That's the mentality. And again, this is not a new thing. In Isaiah chapter 1, I'm going to read down through a series of verses. You can follow along on the screen. The prophet writes, what to me is the multitude of your sacrifices? This is playing religion. Says the Lord, I've had enough of burnt offerings and rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or the lambs or goats. That was part of their worship service. When you come to, to appear before me, who's required of you this trampling of my courts? And that's the idea that they kind of walk in and they walk out unchanged. Bring no more vain Empty offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. And again, all that stuff sounds strange to us, but it was part of their regular worship. If he'd write this to us today, he'd be talking about singing songs and hymns and doing communion and preaching and Bible studies. Your new moons and appointed feasts my soul hates. They become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. And then he says, wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. See, true religion is pure and undefiled. It does for others what your heavenly father did for you. We celebrated communion this morning. And while we were still sinners, Christ did what for us? He died for us. And giving us that gift, there is absolutely nothing we can do in return to earn or deserve that. See, God desires for his people to live like his son. I heard a slogan this past week of a nonprofit. And this nonprofit works in areas that nobody else works in, in countries nobody else works in. They work with the sex slave trade industry and refugees, and they go where nobody else goes. But here's their slogan We have to do more if we want the government to do less. Amen? Now, Let me share two possibilities for you this morning because you sit there and say, well, what can I do? Many of you know that I do some work for Blessings of Hope. And if you don't know, 
what organization that is. The short end is that they take large shipments of food, break it down so food banks and other places can come in and shop and take it to help people that don't have food. We actually have the CEO here this morning, David Lapp and his family. So uh, if you need to talk more about this, okay, go ahead, clap. You can. Now, there's a new um, opportunity. Because if you don't want to sign in a monthly um, membership, they've instituted something now called, I want to get it right, Hands of Hope. That's what's in the box. So any of you can go down to Blessings of Hope. It's on the Eagle Drive in Leola. You probably didn't even know where it was. And if you want to know how much food goes through the place, uh, last year they did about 8 million pounds of food. That's a lot of food. But for $10, you can get a box that's empty. You go through their warehouse, and you fill it up with whatever you want to put in it. And then you give it to somebody else. So you sign for that, pay the 10 bucks, and then you sign where it's going because you're not supposed to keep it for yourself, okay? James would say your religion is worthless if you choose to do that. This is an act of service. And you're to give it to somebody that really needs it. Now, the kind of cool thing I like about this is that if you give it away to somebody and there's something they don't like in there, they can actually pass it on to somebody else. So my wife and I purchased this box, and we're going to give it away this morning, okay? And we decided who we're going to give it to is Ebony. Where are you at, Ebony? You up there? Can you use this? Yeah? Okay. I know there's a young guy down here that wanted the Nutter Butters, but I says, no, he can't have them. So afterwards, I got someone here to help you pack this and get it to your car and uh, feel blessed with that. But here's the cool thing about this. I mean, look at all the food I got in one box. I mean, there's some good stuff, like pumpkin whoopie pies. Then there's some really good stuff like bologna, sweet bologna. Okay. I think Frank's getting excited. But there's some other good stuff like squash and zucchini and bread. Oh, yeah, he just moans. (laughs) Anybody here can do that. If you know somebody you want to give it away and bless this year, I mean, what a great opportunity for 10 bucks. What can you get for 10 bucks anymore today? That won't even get you to see a movie. Now, here's the other thing. At the end of my message... And those that are part of our congregation were saying, well, we missed something, communion. No, we didn't. We're just going to move it to the end. We have something called a fellowship fund or a compassion fund. You know, the word fellowship is the word communion in Scripture. And it's an offering we take, and we use that offering. There's a team of people that, you know, handle that, that we just bless people. And needs come in, and they look through it, and then they give out accordingly to those needs. It's not part of our operational budget. It's just not for our people. It blesses people that, you know, aren't even part of GBC. So that's another way you can give this morning. So, you know, just have the money ready for when we close the service out, and we take the compassion fund or the fellowship fund, however you want to call it. Now, you hear me talk a lot about a missionary mindset. This is what James is referring to. And you know, in our budget, we have a missionary line. 
And I get why we have that. Part of it bothers me, and the missions teams knows this. Because what bothers me is, we sit here and say, well, we have this large missionary budget. We're a missionary church. And I have to tell you, that if we pay for people to go overseas or live in another state and do what we're unwilling to do, we are not a missionary church. So I like the fact that we do this. But I want to challenge you this morning that the quality of religion at GBC will be what we're doing for others who cannot do anything in return. And again, we automatically think about stuff and get rid of that. There's just so many different levels. And it begins with Jesus. And we got to be willing to do what we ask other people to do and pay them to do. We are all missionaries. And everything first begins with Jesus. In our country, we have this entertainment mentality. And if we're honest, we'd have to change some of the words of our songs if we were honest. Instead of singing, have thy own way, Lord, we probably sing, have my own way, Lord. <laughs> I'm the potter, you're the clay. Because we like to mold Jesus into our image rather than have Jesus mold us into our image. But first comes Christ. And Christ says, in light of my grace, you can never pay me back for what I did and am doing for you. So what are you doing with my blessing? You've heard me say this before, a simple prayer. I think we all ought to pray every single morning we wake up. Say, Lord, who do you want me to bless today? See, that changes our mindset because all of a sudden we're looking to bless somebody. And it could be a word. It could be a prayer. It could be buying someone a cup of coffee. It could be weeping with someone or rejoicing with somebody. But think about if all of us just lived to bless people because we are so blessed. I mean, Paul tells us that in Ephesians, that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And we quote that and we sing that, but how many times don't we believe that because we start looking at what we don't have rather than what we do have? Now, this is where character comes in play. In James 1.27, again, he says, listen, I want religion that's pure and undefiled. There's only one way to get pure and undefiled religion. That's to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. He makes us righteous. And then it's a journey. Um, You know, when we sin, we ask for forgiveness, and he declares us righteous. And to keep oneself unstained from the world. Unstained from the world. In the world, but not of the world. If you want a definition of worldliness, I heard this before. It's where you leave God out. It's where you exclude God and you put your desires in. So you realize that Christians can, can become worldly in church. If church is about their desires and not about God's desires. And you heard me say this before, that the only thing we say when we leave this place today, God, were you pleased with my worship? Unstained from the world. The world, the Greek word is cosmos. It's actually where we get the word cosmetics from. And, you know, cosmetics, what do we do with cosmetics? We rearrange things, right? Listen to what... John says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, they cannot coexist. 
For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes. We talked about desires. Desires which draws us away when we're tempted. And the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world's passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So do you want eternal desires with God or you want worldly desires that will pass away? Romans 12, 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. How do we renew our minds? We implant God's word. We study through the mirror of God's word and we practice God's word. We share it. That by testing, you may discern what is the, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Here's what all this means. Who you are determines what you see. James is talking about character here. Who you are in Christ. What you see determines what you hear. So who you are determines what you see. What you see determines what you hear. And what you hear determines what you do. There's a passage that uh, I look at continually because it's a story of all of us. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Put that back up. Because <laughs> I think in my notes, I put some things there and I didn't put some things in my note. For he, for who sees anything different in you, what do you have that you did not receive if, you, if then you have received it? Why do you not boast if you did not receive it? I mean, here's what, here's what Paul's saying. Listen. These treasure in jars of clay. The word there is cracked clay. It's cracked jars. And you heard me say this before. That just means we're all crackpots. <laughs> and what happens when you pour water into a cracked jar? It leaks. See, the only way to keep a leaking pot full is to do what? Keep the water coming in. Keep implanting the word. Keep staring at the miller, the, into the mirror of his word. Keep choosing joy. You will have trials. You'll have temptations. And what you put into your cracked jar is what will leak out. You put in Christ, you leak out blessings. You put in this world, you're going to leak a whole lot of trouble that will be poured out. So, James says it's time to grow up. And it starts with Jesus. I'm going to invite the worship team to come because as a response, I said before, we are going to take a fellowship offering as they sing. So I'm going to ask the ushers as well to get ready. As they do that, you realize that worship is realizing the generosity of God. And we give generously to people who can do nothing in return. That's the lifestyle. Now, if you're here this morning and you need that entry point, you need to make a decision to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. I just want you to stand because we want to bless you with helping you enter that relationship. So if you're here, just kind of stand and wave at me. And we're going to get someone with you one-on-one. Okay, right down here.
Just keep standing. And uh, anyone else? Where's one of the ladies that's part of uh, our mentors and whatnot? I need a volunteer. <laughs> I'm looking for him. Okay, Bridget. Okay, do you want to, by the way, just remind me of your name. Michelle? Okay. We're going to pray for you, Michelle. We're going to ask you to go with Bridget because she's going to sit down and explain all this. Here she comes. I have a hard time seeing, so just kind of go out here in the aisle, Michelle, and she'll meet you there in the back. Now, as a congregation, you got Michelle on your prayer list, right? Okay, we got that. I'm going to pray. We're going to close this out by giving generously. And uh, then a lot of you are going to sign up for this, right? <laughs> Think about how you can bless somebody. If you need more detail, uh, David laps in the back, and he can give you more details about that. If not, I can give details as well. Let's pray. Father, you are so good to us. Forgive us when we don't see that. Forgive us when we complain and whine about what we don't have rather than realizing that... Uh, You've given us something that is so astronomically grand that we cannot even embrace it. And I pray for us, Lord, as a church, that, uh, that we are a congregation that learns what it means to grow up, that we choose joy. And yes, there's going to be hard times. But through all that, we just, that our religion is such that people come and say, listen, why are you guys so different? I want what you have. And they say that not because they see us, but they see that because they see something beyond us and say, wow, okay, if that's Jesus, I'm drawn to that. But thank you, Lord, we can come and worship to anoints of one. Thank you for blessing us. Keep teaching us. And thank you for your patience and your forgiveness and your love. And we pray these things in the name of in the name that's above all names, name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen.